European Commission is on the way with three pieces of legislation with the aim of regulating different aspects of the digital economy. Digital Service Act DSA, Digital Markets Act DMA, and Artificial Intelligence Act AIA. How will the EU regulate the tech giants? What are the pitfalls when EU tries to putting a leash on them? And what is the stake for the citizens? Is EU regulation even preferable to the law of jungle mentality that we experience on the digital field today? EU journalist Stefan Dahlow is investigating the Commission's work with these legislations, and Nora Friese Vandenberg, assistant to the MP Martin Schiedewan, co-chair of the left in the EU Parliament, presently working on DSA and DMA, are both with us today. This podcast is a segment of the online debate, which is organized by the Danish DEU and the Rosa Luxemburg Stiftung. For the full event, follow the link within the description to the DEO YouTube channel. Enjoy! I will try to give you a uh, what you could call an overview of, of what we're talking about. To start out, um, why talk about digital Europe in the first place? Uh, two <clears throat> very basic things. Uh, one is that um, the so-called digitalization was one is and was one of the six priorities from the the um, commission came uh, that came in with uh, Ursula von der Leyen in in 2019. Uh, digitalization, as such, is also a part of of what is called the recovery for the next generation Europe, you know, this huge amount of money being more or less poured out or given out or lent out to member countries. Uh, biggest part should go to Green Deal, second biggest part to digitalization. So there is a lot of things, there are a lot of things happening. Only to give you an overview, I'm not going into details here, you will see um, what I call the digital Lord jungle, meaning these are either fresh, more or less fresh laws or proposals or other kinds of regulations that have that are actual right now. <clears throat> I think most of you would know about the GDPR, the privacy law in force for some years now. Uh, we have got the terrorist content regulation. You know, that is not... It's, it's about terrorism or rather incitement and mentioning of ter- terrorism on, uh, on the net or in online uh, fora. As uh, Rasmus said, Digital Market Act, Services Act, Artificial Act. Uh, I thought it was the last one, late, late last one, but not the latest, a chat and message control. Uh, this we haven't seen in writing yet, but it... Uh, the uh, responsible commissioner, Ylva Johansson, said she will come up with that shortly after New Year. Uh, and this has to do with, with child abuse, and the, which is, of course, a very serious matter. But it will most likely wash out the limits or the borders between uh, public, uh, what is public and what is private, meaning giving online uh, providers, service providers, access to what is now uh, uh, cryptid, uh, encrypted uh, message services, such as, uh, to a certain extent, WhatsApp, and, and perhaps more important, uh, Signal, Telegram, and what have you. I think that will be, uh, cause some kind of, some debate 
already in the beginning of next year. And then the very latest, I just saw that about two hours ago, the Commission today came out with a new proposal to extend the list of, of what they call EU crimes uh, to hate speech and hate crime. I have I've just saw it, so I, I'm I'm not going to dwell into it in any way, but only to show you that there there are quite a lot of things in the making at the moment. All of these uh, actions, initiatives, proposal has got a common, more or less common uh, aim, and that is to what uh, create what the the Commission call a digital sovereignty sovereignty. Uh, to trust, create trust among citizens, and what they they, they sum up like the uh, European Union should be fit for the digital decade, which of course is is very difficult to have any objections to. I think for for all different reasons. I mean, the digital tools are very useful for for most of us. It's also driving uh, mechanism in, in the economy, and I don't think we even can imagine being without them. Uh, but uh, all these things come with the uh, with some costs and price. How do we do that? That I think maybe I think most of us uh, would would have the understanding that the EU, as such, is is very much um, based on on the free movement of capital, people, uh, workforce, services, and to lesser extent uh, regulations. But those two things also go hand in hand. And in order to 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 um, make citizens trust uh, the tools available, in order to make uh, business flourish, and in order to to get the most out of the digital tools, uh, some kind of of regulation is definitely needed. And uh, most of it is done not by Brussels as such controlling the net. Uh, but Brussels, with Brussels, I mean the EU or the member countries, including the European Parliament, uh, setting up frameworks uh, for the actors themselves. How should big, uh, big uh, IT giants uh, regulate their content, and uh, those within what what uh, framework? This all this uh, has very much to do with well. Not very much to do, but it touches upon the very sensitive thing about content restrictions. What should we be allowed or able or possible to see and to share with each other? Um, all in all, the effects uh, are, are, are big in, in very many ways. I think these three points might, might summarize what is uh, ongoing. Yeah, we we do see a increased surveillance. We do see a content or attempts to make content control, and we see a loss of of privacy. And these are my claims. Um, you might not be be uh, agree upon them, uh, and I will be happy to to come with examples or to discuss it more details later. This is only like a, my introduction to it. Uh, when we say control, the question is always, as always, uh, who is controlling and on, on what conditions? 
and you would of course know the the ongoing discussions whether the uh, the uh, online uh, services whatever or IT giants or whatever you call them if they are part of infrastructure if they are media if there is something in between if there are something very new and and not not easy to define and that could lead to a very long and interesting discussion in itself uh, my point here is only to to point out uh, the the differences in opinions by either letting the IT the tech uh, companies regulate themselves or in different aspects in different ways let the EU institutions or the EU as such uh, set the framework which of course uh, boils down to who will in the last end be the ultimate controller the judge of it would that be the European Commission which is quite natural uh, having an EU regulation of different kinds and then you will have the European Court of Justice as the, uh, with the final say I give you these two examples and I stop here and if you want to know what I mean by that, I'll be uh, happy to come back to that. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. And um, yeah, I'm working on two uh, new digital laws, the Digital Services Act and Digital Markets Act, which are right now negotiated in the parliament. The, the proposals were presented by the commission exactly one year ago, actually. And since then, we are negotiating in the parliament how to improve these um, uh, proposals. Um, I will not go into details because they are huge, but I will try to make it briefly uh, what the Digital Services Act is aiming for. Um, and then I will come to the Digital Markets Act. Um, the Commission described the Digital Services Act that it's a regulation that um, is aiming for that everything that is illegal offline should also be, be illegal online. This is really broad, actually, because uh, content online, there are different kinds of content and how to regulate that. It's actually quite uh, complicated and to have a harmonized approach, uh, we are noticing now in the parliament, it's not that easy um, because postings on Facebook, for example, we spoke about uh, freedom of speech are different than postings on Amazon or for example, the left is really um, fighting against uh, illegal online content on Airbnb because there are a lot of illegal postings on Airbnb which are not allowed in certain cities and Airbnb is ignoring it. So um, we are trying to have uh, different rules for different platforms um, and um, for example on Facebook, Twitter and all platforms where you can express your opinion. It's uh, for us really important to um, not make the platforms liable for the content because that will lead to automatic filters and filters make mistakes um, and then content gets removed that is maybe not illegal and yeah people still want to express their opinions so uh, this is really important for us. But on Amazon, it's a little different because we want safe products there. So it's um, this regulation actually goes into a lot of other um, yeah, topics, how to make an online environment safe for consumers, 
Um, yeah. And then we have the DMA, which has a completely different aim. Um, the aim is to make the mar digital market more fair and compatible because even the commission noticed that um, we have maybe 20 big players in the world. Uh, we all know the big five, Apple, Amazon, Facebook, um, and Microsoft, for example, and or also Booking.com is a big player nowadays. Um, and they are actually, like they call them gatekeepers because they don't let anyone else on the market anymore. They are buying every startup and no other European com company or any other company that has new ideas has any possibility to, uh, yeah, have a market share to, or at least a chance to try. So the commission proposed this new law that uh, these gatekeepers that are really powerful, that are monopolies, um, have to follow certain rules, which are called unfair practices. And these unfair practices uh, are supposed to lower the power of these gatekeepers also. And um, the commission already proposed some good ideas. I think during the negotiations, um, we could really improve, we were really able to improve it in the parliament. Uh, it's way more progressive uh, than the commission's proposal. Uh, for example, uh, we are trying to um, break lock-in effects for consumers. So lock-in effects, we call it uh, when a consumer cannot have a free choice anymore. Uh, for example, we are all on WhatsApp and uh, because we want to communicate with our friends. But maybe I would prefer to just be on Signal because it's more data, um, the data protection is better. And I don't want to give my data to WhatsApp and Facebook, Instagram. It's uh, so we proposed interoperability, uh, which is actually uh, yeah, before discussed from uh, several of researchers and uh, NGOs that interoperability is breaking the lock-in effects for consumers. So that would mean for Messenger, for example, um, that you could communicate from Signal to WhatsApp like uh, it is already present for emails at the moment. You just need one uh, app. You don't need the four apps of Telegram and so on on your phone anymore. You just choose one and it would take power away from WhatsApp because users would maybe probably delete WhatsApp at some point. And also um, it's easier for the consumer to not have five apps anymore and really have a free choice what you want to use. So this is one thing we could achieve in the negotiations and what we are really proud of. Um, we had some other points um, where negotiations were really strong and also not that easy on targeted advertisement, how to deal with um, yeah, how big platforms use our personal data and make profit out of it. The left really stands for a ban of uh, targeted advertisement, so no personalized ads anymore. We were able to have it at least for minors to protect children, which I think is already a good start, but it could go further. And yeah, I think my time is running, so I will keep it briefly. Um, there are a lot of discussions who actually should be one of these gatekeepers. Um, it's uh, And of course, 
political parties and all the stakeholders have different opinion on that. Uh, it's not that easy to say who is actually too big and who is not. Um, the commission proposed around 20 companies. Um, the more conservative side of the parliament would like to limit it to six, seven companies, so really just the huge ones. We would like to have more in there. So this is still a discussion and we are not finalized yet, but the vote will be next week in the parliament. So um, that will be really interesting. And then there will be the trialogue with the council, which I think um, our progressive ideas in the parliament will be watered down, I have to say, because the council was not that progressive. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Um, I might can say later something to the lobbyism because that was quite strong and uh, yeah, a tough uh, experience here in the parliament for us, all of us, I think. But I will leave it to that now. Yeah, I, th I think we can say a lot of things about that and, and there might even be 27 different uh, definitions of, of uh, like things like like freedom of expression I think it is important to, to remember that we come from different traditions the different historical reasons and like where I come from Sweden uh, there is a um, a lot of, of what most people would consider as private and personal data are out in the public domain that's a kind of uh, it's been there since for decades, no, not only decades, but centuries, meaning that my uh, personal ID number is um, accessible for anyone who asks for it. Uh, my tax, um, uh, the revenues I, or, or what I pay or what I have to pay for tax revenues, etc., is also searchable, and so on and so forth. And that is not seen as a major thing in Sweden, whereas it will be repulsive in, in most other countries. Where, where I mean, there are countries that don't even have uh, national ID uh, numbers. So that that's based on on, on different. I mean, we also know, for example, like what is. Um, regulated in and when it comes to freedom of speech free, freedom of publish we have very different opinions going from well uh, maybe i shouldn't put out the extremes but i mean what is uh, what is correct or what is possible to to print in let's say uh, hungary today uh, is uh, i would Put it a bit diplomatically uh, limited to uh, compared to, to probably most other uh, other member countries. So again, when you harm, I mean that there is the uh, the interest of harmonizing, which is uh, you know plays a role in efficiency and and market access and all that. Uh, but when you harmonize basic civil rights that come from different uh, have different backgrounds. Uh, I think we get into trouble. Uh, clearly against um, like a full monitoring obligations and uh, which I, yeah I said before also um, to yeah everything that leads to this uh, monitoring and using of automatic filters uh, we were against in these negotiations. Um, actually, right now, the negotiations are at a state, actually, we are voting next week in the committee, and there can be still some changes, we never know, uh, but uh, right now, the state of play is that um, there will be a notice and action mechanism, so, um, and they, the platforms are not obliged to 
use filters or monitor themselves. Um, and as soon um, the notification by a user um, for illegal content um, was made, the platform has to check the content. Um, and as soon they realize it is illegal, then they are can be liable for it, but not before. Um, so then they have to take it down, kind of. And um, to for re-uploads, um, it's actually even more complicated um, to have. Um, there are certain mechanisms in the DSA that try to have no re-uploads of illegal content, but as long we are still against these filters, um, it's actually, yeah, I think, for example, um, a filter, it's a machine, it's an algorithm, actually, and an algorithm um, is not able or not always able to differentiate between certain content content. For example, in Germany, it's forbidden um, the Hitler salute or something. And in a video where it's in, um, you this would be for uh, algorithm. This is illegal because they can uh, notify it in a video and so on. But if, for example, um, some media channel is um, showing a demonstration of Nazis in Germany and they show it, this is not illegal content, this is media content that should be shown also, even if someone is in there doing something illegal. But so, and this a filter would not notice, they would take it down. So actually a lot of content would be taken down and um, would not be able to be on Facebook or Twitter or something anymore. And actually then really, like it's really controlled what kind of content will be shown to us anymore. Actually, in my opinion, um, platforms should not decide what we see and what we not see. Uh, there should be a complete freedom for it um, because I think often we are not aware how much a the internet, the platform, the timelines can influence us. And if we just see specific content, which they choose, um, we are changing our minds. Like we are human beings. We are not uh, completely aware of what else is there. We are in some bubbles. Uh, so, um, but yeah, to get back to the filters, um, I think um, filters make mistakes. This is the main point. And uh, with these mistakes, um, content that is not illegal will be blocked by the platforms. And this is uh, a problem for freedom of expression. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, I think maybe this cuts into the very core of, of the whole discussion here, because one thing is that, the, all right, let's say that, that uh, in Parliament takes the position that there should be no obligation to use, uh, to use filters. Uh, fair enough. Uh, my question would be, then be, uh, how could you do without them? Uh, because you have already a uh, this regulation uh, about the terrorist, terrorist content on the net, where the obligation is to take down, um, uh, when there's been a warning or an action, take down within 24 hours. Now, 24 hours is quite 
in, in, in the internet world is quite a long time, uh, but there are also demands for even, even quicker reactions. Meaning, uh, how could anyone, uh, you know, uh, be able to, uh, no, on the other hand, let's, let's take the giants, let's take Facebook or Google or, or what have you, if they don't, are not obliged to use it, and with all those millions of postings coming up all the time, how on earth will they be able uh, to fulfill this demand for taking down things after 24 hours? Um, I think in, that will not be possible. Not to mention smaller sites, uh, I mean, like the one we're using now, uh, have no chance, maybe we will not be affected by the law itself, but have no chance of having either machine learning or having lawyers to to uh, to um, to follow up the content and then again uh, what, what is the answer i would say uh, i think we will have to take the worst the worst of the of the free net uh, with the best meaning that it has to be um, my own position is this has to be regulated um, on a national level. Uh, and I know, I mean, there's no borders in, on, on, on the nets, but uh, there, there's, that's the, the dilemma. Uh, I can't see any, any third way out of it, but uh, may, maybe some of you others can. This is the final event in a series of five online debate meetings addressing the arising economic crisis of the ongoing corona pandemic. In cooperation with the Rose Luxemburg Stiftung and the left parties in Germany, Sweden and Denmark, DEO seeks to map out strategies, opportunities and dilemmas for the left. This project is sponsored by the Rosa Luxemburg Stiftung, a German political foundation closely linked to Die Linke, the German left party. This podcast was produced by Akuna Matata Production and is sponsored by Setkin Foundation.